welcome to the Dogs and Deadlifts Building Better Dogs and People podcast. Join your host, Daniel Rose, as we discuss everything canine and human strength and conditioning. We talk to experts, hear from people in the know, and just talk the latest on strength and conditioning for both people and their pups. We are about building better dogs and people. Good morning and welcome back to the Dogs and Deadlifts podcast. This morning we have uh, another great uh, great guest on the show, uh, Vicky Pullen from a UK-based uh, dog sled racer. Uh, welcome, Vicky. Hi, thanks, Dan. Yeah, look, it's a great, uh, you know, once again, it's a great honour to, to have you and especially to uh, take time out of, out of your uh, busy working week. So I really appreciate um, you spending the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, look, no worries whatsoever. Um, but uh, look, let's let's jump straight into it. Um, and uh, can you give our listeners a little bit of background um, about yourself? Um, you know, going back to um, you know where where sort of sled dog racing started for you, or uh, even just before that. You know, um, so we get a little bit of a background, and then we'll move forward. Yeah, no worries. So um, I guess like the first time I ever was introduced to the sport was when I was 18. I lived in Canada. Uh, I was snowboarding at the time and I did a husky ride and fell in love with it. Thought it was one of the best things that I've ever done. And that's kind of where it started. Um, I lived in Canada for like three years. and I was out there snowboarding, trying to make a career of it. And I did some dog sledding on the side. And then uh, the passion kind of led to take me to Alaska, so I worked with a tour company in Alaska with 150 sled dogs on a glacier, um, and it blew my mind. And um, long story short, I came back to the UK to try and be a professional snowboarder. Um, financially, wasn't meant to be, and I got a real job, um, <laughs> salary, company car, and all the normal stuff for 12 months and within that 12 months I got my first husky and then <laughs> I want to say downhill from there but it, it totally was not downhill from there um I guess like 10 11 years later and I have 36 dogs and I race I guess semi-professionally and I run a sled dog tour company in the UK and this is very much my life so uh yeah, that, that was a long story in a short yeah. sum up, I guess. Yeah, no, awesome. I know the feeling. So, you know, one dog turns into two dogs and two dogs turns into five dogs and then five dogs turn into ten dogs and then it goes from there. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, I'm trying to convince my wife that's how, that's how it goes. It just goes like that, okay? <laughs> She's like, no, all right. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I think, like... 36 is um it's quite different from one or two it's um it's definitely a way of life now for mm -hmm. sure and it's something that i i guess like i laugh about it because it's it's 36 dogs is a lot of dogs but it's it's a huge commitment mm -hmm. and it's not something that i got into lightheartedly i guess like i i tell that story quite quickly mm -hmm. but 36 dogs is a really big uh responsibility to look after and it it really is a daily job 
Yeah, for sure. I think um, with some of the rules here in Australia, um, we would we would struggle to get a permit to uh, to house that many dogs here. Um, you know, on even a large acreage block. Um, you know, we would uh, the rules and regulations are very very tight, and unfortunately, it's pushed um, some of the uh, um, the racing community. Um, you know, to the side, it's really, it's really, um, really sad this, you know, to see and hear about, you know, um, so, um, that sort of led to an emergence of, um, you know, particularly monosports here in, in, uh, in Oz, you know, um, but, uh, just before we move on, um, out of your, you know, your 36, I knew it was roughly 30, but, uh, 36, um, are they, um, a bit of a makeup of different, uh, different dogs? Can you give us just a quick rundown on that? Yeah, for sure. So, um, We'll start with Marley. He mm-hmm. is uh, my pet collie that mm-hmm. looks like a German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, so he lives in the house full time, um, and he can run in harness. Uh, he can go on the bike in Canny Cross, but um, he's very much a pet dog. Mm-hmm. And then we've got uh, Siberian Huskies, which I have a lot of Huskies. I've got four Alaskan Huskies, and then two Scandinavian Hounds. Um, nine graces yeah awesome <laughs> great combination so and how do you um you know while we talk about those um really interesting for me you know and i'm sure that uh, many people do as well there's a the big makeup of um your graces and your and your euro hounds as well so really uh, you know for our, our listeners out there um probably a little bit more experienced people um can you give us a little bit of a, a um, a rundown on the differences at the moment. Say, for instance, you know, uh, your dogs Luna and Luca come from a, bit, a particular kennel, um, and then you know, then you've got Magnus and and Rio as well. That's just as an example. You know, um, the personalities and the different types um, that you see and the differences with those guys. Okay, so what you're talking about with the dogs that you've just named are my graces, and they are the purpose-bred sprint sled dogs. And when I started getting these types of dogs specifically for what I want to race, which is, is short distance sprint racing, mm-hmm. um, the first dogs I bought were from Eagle Tracks in Poland. Um, the reason I bought dogs from Eagle is because I have a lot of respect for him as a dog person. Um, I've done a lot of work with Eagle, so mm-hmm. I had the advantage of seeing firsthand his dog care. Um, and also he was podium him. Um, so he was successful with his dogs and I wanted to get dogs from somebody that I could trust, somebody that I felt had good dog welfare and also dogs that were hopefully (laughs) be as set up as they can be to be the best dogs in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, which is what I feel like I have. I feel like I do have the best dogs in the world. I'm the limiting factor. Um, as the time's gone on, um, the graces are more accessible. More people are coming into the sport. So more people are breeding the dogs. And I have um, three dogs from Eagle, so from Poland. I have um, one Gracer who was bred in Scotland in the UK. And she has very much Norwegian lines, mm-hmm. kind of looking more like from Lena. Um, and then uh, I have two dogs, Arrow and Bo, who were born in Belgium, and they are a mix of the Norwegian and Poland, Poland lines. And I did that specifically because I was looking for 
uh, a bigger dog, but with the um, the speed of the Polish and the Czech, but also the stamina that you can get from like the Norwegian side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've, I'm not sure I got the stamina, but I definitely got the size. The size that I own a horse. Um, <laughs> But they are still young. They are just over two years old. So it's still early days for them. Mm-hmm. And this year I have my own litter. So Luna has just had pups and I keep three of these pups. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's really exciting for me. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, look, I suppose, you know, here in Australia, um, you know, we don't have a much, you know, much breeding of, of graysters or, or euros and stuff like that. There's a couple of breeders uh, out there, but, um, you know, we, you know, we could almost um, compare them. And I think you, you compared them to uh, an F1 on your, um, on your website, you know, we, you know, I'm be more sort of Aussie and say V8, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, the, uh, the difference is there. So, um, they're sort of starting to emerge in some of the in some of the um, I suppose some of the races here. Um, we're starting just to see them flow through, uh, you know, um, over the last few years. Um, but generally, people breed; they you know keep most of them for themselves at this point in time. So it's interesting to see, um, you know. Uh, and you mentioned also that you know now that you've got these type of dogs compared to you know when you were racing with your uh, you know your huskies, you know. So you're seeing a a. a, a a bit of a leap, you know, in performance there. I think, yeah, it's interesting you said that. Like, I'm, I'm quite unique. I think in in the kennel that I have because I still race the huskies and I also race the open dogs, so the hounds. Yep. And I, I think you find either people come into the sport now and, and maybe they are introduced to the hounds straight away, so they have nothing to do with the Siberian Husky. Or you have people who have been in the sports for years and either they progress to the hounds or or they never progress to the hounds. They they stay true to the side. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the fact that I have a mixed kennel and I have a lot of different types of sled dogs. I think for me, this makes me hopefully a better dog person Mm -hmm. and understand the sport better. I think the progression in my kennel has been immense for me as, as a musher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I certainly have learned loads from the different breeds. Um, this year, I actually had, I, I don't ever breed dogs. Um, we need great breeders, but also there are too many dogs in the world. We have a lot of <laughs> yeah. rescue and rehome, so I'm, I'm very careful when I talk about breeding. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, uh, with everything that has been going on in the world and where my dogs are and my business and the age of my dogs i actually had a litter of husky pups and mm-hmm. i keep the whole litter yep. um they were more for business and for work um however they are so awesome that i think maybe i will race them also. <laughs> uh, we, we will see but um and then i have the litter of races as well so uh, it's a really nice special year for me because maybe it's not something I will ever do again um, just because finding the right homes for the Gracers and um, which I was really lucky that I have people wanting the pups. Um, but I think it's not easy to find the right people that you want to give your dogs to for the rest of their lives. So yes. I think, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've experienced it this year. It was amazing. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, 
So next next year when I talk to you, you'll have fifty, will you? <laughs> um, I think I'm at my limit because I live I live on my own and uh, uh, yeah, I have two businesses and I race and. Uh, 36 yep. is a big commitment. For sure. No, no, for sure. I, I get, I, I definitely understand. Um, just on that, you know, um, you know, we've got, um, you know, a number of people racing pure, purebred GSPs here, you know, and um, right, right now, um, that's probably here in Australia is the, um, the most accessible dog that you, you can get, you know, and uh, look, I've got, um, I've got two right here now. Um, one's a rehoming, um, but you know he's not keen on harness, you know, not at all, you know. Um, and the other one I've only had for a few weeks. So, you know, but also finding um, purebred breeders that are, um, you know, know what this sport is and, and that their dogs are suitable is, is you know, just a, another hurdle here that we have in Australia at this point in time. You know, I think we'll talk about it shortly. You know, but when um, where we're seeing the sport grow, grow in the next five or ten years, I think we'll start to see more and more. Um, you know, purpose-bred dogs race, you know, bred here in Australia. But right now, you know, most people are coming into the sport with a variety of different dogs and, um, you know, at mixed, mixed breeds and not necessarily Huskies or, you know, Labradors to, you know, the Australian Kelpie to the Collies and stuff like that. And it's great to see from a foundation level, people just want to get out and have fun. You know, we're talking right now with you, we've just talked, you know, for 10 minutes about high-end performance, you know, being the best in the world, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas, you know, we'll get, we'll dial it back a little bit and go, all right, <clears throat> You know, I'm Joe Blow. I've got a, I've got a dog, um, you know, Joe Blow average. I've got a dog that's super high energy, mixed breed. I don't even know what it is. I've had it for a few years, got it from the pound. Um, you know, I want to have a look at, um, you know, Candy Cross or bike, you know, bike drawing, you know, um, where do I start with that? You know what I mean? And um, we're seeing a lot of people and that's, you know, a, a big area that I want to focus on is education in that, that industry as well, you know? So uh, have you seen, um, I suppose, I know that you run camps and you run educational type um, uh, products as well. Have you seen that um, come across over the, the last couple of years as well, you know, in your opinion? Yeah, so we like in our, I guess in a way from, from what you're saying, mm -hmm. I think like I've been racing five, six years now. And when I started racing in the UK, I think there was possibly only one person that might have owned a Gracer mm -hmm. when I first started, um, which quickly turned into two. And then I had two and then I got two more. And in the last five years, the numbers have gone up, up and up. Um, and in that time, I think more of you look at the monosports because I think it's, it is different. I get a huge amount of joy watching people, exactly what you said, get active with their dogs. As long as the dog is fit, healthy, able and wants to compete or participate, then, then amazing. Like this is the, the best sport you can do with your best friend. Yep. And I can't advocate that enough. Um, I don't think you need to necessarily go out and buy a specifically bred dog for this. Um, I do because I want to be the best in the world at what I do. Mm -hmm. um, but I have dogs in my kennel, not that I race with, but dogs that I work with that are rescues and rehomes. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that's the beauty of the sport. It is moving forwards and it is moving forwards at a fast rate, especially now, um, looking at the elite level, <coughs> excuse me. Um, 
we are looking at like marginal gains. Like if we look at the bike jaw for women's elite, obviously that's what I participate in. Um, the top 10 girls, you can be seconds in medals. And it, it's exciting. It's awesome for the sport. But then you start looking at every fine detail for the breeding, every piece of equipment on that bike, and then the human athlete also. Um, but if we take it back a stage, like you said, and we are looking at club level or just social runs or gatherings or club events, then I think there is still a huge number of people in the UK and across the world getting out and running with dogs that, like you say, Labradors, Alpha German Shepherds, anything. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, excuse me as well. I've been, you know, I've been a, a, you know, a dog trainer for the last roughly 15 years, you know, doing behavioral consults, you know, dogs with, you know, pulling on the lead, for instance, you know, uh, aggression cases, things like that, you know, and, and the average public is coming to me and saying, you know, how can I fix this? What can I do? You know? And uh, a lot of the time I'll be very general. A lot of the time it comes back to what, you know, what are you doing with your dog? You know, I've got a, a German Shepherd, a, a Border Collie, let's say a Border Collie, you know, he's in, a, a, in an apartment building. He gets out twice a, twice a week, you know, um, and you wonder why he, he barks at um, the postman when, you know, the postman drops the post in the letterbox or, or, you know, that sort of stuff. So mentally, physically stimulating the dogs, um, you know, and I found that, you know, I migrated to this particular, you know, to this sport because, I, you know, number one, it's enjoyable, it's fast, you know, it's all the action, but, um, you know, it's, it ticks boxes for my dogs. You know, we talk about um, biological fulfillment in some ways, you know, so, you know, it just ticks all the boxes. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I really feel that a lot more people over the next three to five years and 10 years will, will discover it and, um, you know, jump on board because it's a hell of a lot of fun, you know, um, but there's certainly, um, and that's what you mentioned as well, the, the disclaimer about, you know, the dog being fit, healthy and uh, able you know that's super important that um we we tick those boxes off as well because um you know you you know with your veterinarian um you know if you're listening to this you know first port of call before you get into any sports for me is a um a health check for you know for your dog um you know making sure that everything's working and uh, fine and then uh, also for yourself as well yeah <laughs> we want to make sure that uh, if you have an exercise for some time you want to get to the doctor and just make sure everything's all ticked off <laughs> awesome so let's uh let's move on so we'll, we'll talk about training programs and things like that but before um we do let's let's talk about your personal race kit um you know let's just say for for bike if that's okay we'll, we'll talk about one dog bike um primarily today um you know your personal kit from you know like you said there's marginal gains and you know we might talk about a a um you know a carbon bike with a you know a crank set that has a difference of um you know, or a running gear of 200 grams, you know, some people are running that, you know, we're not going to get quite into the, the, the little, little details, but, uh, you know, let's talk about, you know, everything from your, your, just your race kit, what you would turn up on your bike, you know, you're using clip-in pedals compared to not using clip-in pedals, your dog's race, race, race kit, if that's cool. Yeah, no problem. So I guess the, uh, the two, the two biggest factors is you're looking for the lightest, uh, equipment you can have mm -hmm. but it needs to be strong enough to withstand the support um, 
So with the dog, you need a well-fitted harness. There are a lot of reputable brands out there. Um, unfortunately, not every single harness fits every dog personally. Um, so I think it's getting the right harness for your dog is really important. Um, I always start with the dog because I think the dog is the most important thing. Of course. Um, so the dog, dog needs a harness. Then you need a bungee line. Um, again, you can buy these from different places. Um, but for me, I just look for uh, good, strong, quality kit. I have really great sponsors and they are providing kit at high levels. So I, I trust it and let it won't break on me. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I go to a normal pet shop and try and buy a lead, then I think my dogs will break it. <laughs> um, <laughs> You have to buy the quality. Um, and then the bike, uh, you need a bike arm, which is an attachment that goes on the, the front of the bike, uh, on the handlebars. It attaches by the headset and um, it's basically like an antenna and it minimizes the risk of running over the line with your front wheel. So you pop that on and then you have the bike. Um, carbon fiber is the lightest bikes you can get on the market i actually have two race bikes for different courses so i have a full suspension cross-country bike and i have a hardtail mm-hmm. with rigid forks and they both weigh in uh i think one is seven to eight kilograms and mm-hmm. then the full suspension is about 10 kilograms to 11. Mm-hmm. so the lightest bikes that i can buy mm-hmm. um then I have flipping pedals because we are racing cross country. Um, it helps produce power, so you will be quicker on the bike. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I need a helmet. Again, lightweight, but it's got to be strong enough to do the job because mm-hmm. you only have one head. Um, <laughs> yep. Then sometimes I wear protective clothing, um, like on my arms and knees. Um, it depends on the trail. I don't wear this as much as i used to mm-hmm. um but if you fall off and hurt yourself then maybe you can't race or train for a long time so you have to look at the conditions and the trail mm-hmm. um sometimes just to make you feel like superman is a good thing to put padding on um, and then unfortunately we race in lycra <laughs> <laughs> It's all about uh, aerodynamics and speed. Um, so yeah, you don't want to be wearing anything that's flapping around and wasting time in in the uh, wind. So yeah, <laughs> so, and then like you gloves and glasses. For sure, the uh, the average kid here, uh, the average wear in, here in Australia would be a pair of tracksuit pants and a hoodie. You know that we rock up to the start line you know, as many layers as possible, like, just to get through the the race. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that would be my dream. Uh, I would rather. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm not sure I've seen anyone in Lycra at this point in time. <laughs> anyway, after this, it's happening. They're yeah. all be doing it. That's right. That's right. That's all right. We could, hey, trendsetters all way here. <laughs> Fantastic. So, um, I was going to say, <laughs> let's talk. Um, you know, we'll go back to, to dogs as well. So we'll just talk a little bit about training programs. Um, so obviously that's going to, depending on the season, you know, this, we're going to have, um, you know, um, 
you know, say for instance, eight weeks out leading into a, a race and depending on when the races are, um, but uh, you know, in regards to your your dog, let's have you know, we'll talk about dog first, and we'll talk about your your training program as well. Um, but you know, um, you know, let's say you know we're 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 prepping for next year. You know, like here in Australia right now, it's coming. It's in summer, and we will be we'll be prepping for for uh, you know we'll start around um, you know uh, March, April, that sort of stuff next year. So. <clears throat> Right now, a lot of people have had a bit of time off, just chill out, let dogs be dogs, you know, for a little while. And then uh, we'll start up a, um, you know, potentially just building up um, that aerobic base program again. So would you, you know, let's just say, you know, if you take a, a, a quick snapshot of, you know, the same scenario with yourself, where would you, you know, what, what would you do with your, your dogs, um, you know, building up into, um, you know, three months, the start of the season, if you like? Okay, so you're messing my head a bit because you guys are on the opposite to us. We are. That's uh, all right. Just do go whatever yeah. with whatever you think. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so start like if it's okay, I start with the end of the season. Yeah. So we finish the winter, mm-hmm. and the dogs have the downtime. Yep. So after heavy season of racing, and because I I race on snow as well, and mm-hmm. I use the same dogs. Usually, the snow is the last thing that. I race, maybe I have a few dry land races in the UK mm-hmm. um, to finish, but then the dogs have a couple of months of just being dogs. They may do a little bit in harness, but it's not so much, more free running and just playing and chill time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then straight after that, we already start to build up over the summer because a lot of people, uh, train and race in the winter and then do nothing over the summer. But we are working with, or I'm working with top end athletes that mm-hmm. are racing at an elite level. So their summer program is actually the most important because then that can condition them ready for the winter. Mm-hmm. However, I am really limited by the weather and obviously the dog welfare. Yep. So I do water treadmill to work on the strength and conditioning of the dog and put in a foundation for um, different things, building up their strength. So it's really awesome to put in some muscle on Mm -hmm. and work on their cardio and just keep a little bit of endurance for them. Then we do a little bit back to front, but this is because of the weather. So I do a lot of sprint work because short easy blasts in the summer when it is warmer is uh, so much easier really hard for a lot of people to motivate themselves to do this but sometimes i run 800 meters and that's it because too warm but the dog have the running harness and that's the important thing the muscle memory the dog stimulation for the mind and also because most of it is on the bike uh it really helps with the speed work Mm -hmm. Then as soon as the temperatures are cold enough, that is when we start to really try and put the mileage on. Mm -hmm. So we can get the mileage in, because in an ideal world, that's where you want to put in first, the mileage, and then the sprint on top. But because of the sport and the the weather, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to do this the right way around. So as soon as it's cold enough, we put the mileage on, and then the spring work has already been done, but we always topping that up. So a typical week would like kind of pre-season and also 
in mid-season, in between races, mm-hmm. will include a day off. Uh, a day off will, will be free running uh, in a field. Uh, I have a secure field. Um, they will do one day a week in the hydro, and then usually about five days in harness. Mm-hmm. And that will be a typical week. Maybe those harness days for me, they will run maybe in a six dog team, mm-hmm. maybe in a four dog team, maybe two dog scooter, and maybe one on a bike. Sure. Every time is I switch it up because I think it's really good for the head, mm-hmm. um, really good for so many different things. The training, the different weights they are pulling, mm-hmm. it is different benefits for me each time. Yeah, awesome. Yep. And, um, you know, um, yeah, and that's awesome. And with those different, like you said, there's very, it's going to come down to the where you're at as well. But you know, very variation of weights, uh, what uh, what gate they're running in, and uh, you know that sort of stuff. You know, it's not just always 100% flat out. Let's just go and you know go for a run. Yeah, so uh, timing our. Um, you know, having a structured program to, to for recovery, but also knowing that, hey, today's a, you know, we're going to trot, for instance, or, or you know, we're going to stride out tomorrow, you know, that sort of stuff, you know, so different lengths, uh, but also different um, uh, different cardiac outputs as well, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's very similar to um, what a human does, mm-hmm. to what the dogs do, because there is no research into canines, or yep. very little. Mm-hmm. So we can look at research that has been done with, for example, racehorses or even some stuff with greyhounds. Yes. But with, with sled dogs, especially when you look at sprint sled dogs, there's a few studies in America, but not so much for our sport specifically. Yep. So at the moment, I think a lot of us are training the dogs like we would train a human. Yes. Yep. Um, I've, I've always had a fascination in trying to get a, you know, the, some heart rate stuff as well. So, you know, on, onto the dogs. Um, have you uh, looked at that at all or uh, considered that at all? Yeah, we played with it. Um, yeah. It is really hard to get uh, with the dogs. And also for me, it's really difficult sometimes with the time because yeah. to do these things take time and, Time is really difficult when you have to think of. Of course, of course, it's it's just an area of study that I I haven't you know that I of inter- really high of in- interest point to me and um you know I just can't find any studies out there or you know anyone particularly uh you know having a great lot of success with it. So I'd love to play around with it in the future once again if I have time. But you know, looking at um you know the different uh, um, zones and etc. Yeah, I think it'd be awesome it really is it excites me <laughs> for yeah, sure i'm with you on that one i'm totally with you yeah, for sure all right let's flip the coin let's have a look at you you know so uh, obviously like i said depending on uh, um time and uh um you know uh, we'll talk do you do you run <laughs> run but whether you can call it running i try to run yeah uh yeah i run because i use this as I guess to help try and maintain the weight mm-hmm. uh, for me, and also when I race on the sled, yes, then the running is is beneficial for me then. Mm-hmm. But it's more for the weight loss stuff in my yeah. program. Yeah. that's where the running's in there. Yeah. But primarily, my program is is biking because 
Yeah. Sure. Do you um? So I I I find getting out on the road bike the, the is very beneficial for me. I'm not sure about yourself whether you uh, you know ride uh, or cycle on a road bike or indoor cycle uh, trainer, but um you know for me I I really enjoy that um you know and obviously I've got a bike on an indoor trainer where you know all weather conditions I can jump on for half an hour or, or you know 45 minutes when I've got time. Um, do you use um you know I suppose road cycling bikes or do you primarily go out on your um uh, mountain bikes oh, absolutely i do uh, most of my training on the road bike because it's really easy to do the stuff for this mm-hmm. and to really set up a beneficial training program yeah so i will road bike sometimes more depending on the time of year than what i do on the mountain bike mm-hmm. um, i also use a turbo trainer in the house mm-hmm. and then obviously uh, mountain biking as well Mm-hmm. And I also do a little bit of downhill and full sets riding as well. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. really switch it up. Yeah, sure and do you dial in um you know because I, I know that a lot of you know elite um you know you know mountain bikers are, have that background do you focus on skill development on the trail uh, on the mountain bike on, in the off season yeah it, i think this is important all year round it is um it's a hard one because it depends on what your strengths and weaknesses are as an athlete mm-hmm. um, to what you're trying to get out of it. Like, I uh, I'm, I guess I'm quite brave on a mountain bike and the trails that we have with the dogs are always, firstly, have to be safe for the dogs. Mm-hmm. So they're not super extreme. Yep. Having said that, <laughs> when it's wet and muddy, Belgium <laughs> last year, yeah. uh, then it's really, really tough. Yep. Um, so that's when those skills really come into play. But I put more effort, I guess, into building up my power because I have the struggle of the weight to power mm-hmm. uh, issue. Mm-hmm. So that's where I guess most of my focus and time will go into. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I feel, oh, you know, like I haven't been on a mountain bike enough and maybe uh, I don't feel so strong. So then I will change the training and adapt it. Mm-hmm. And more technical riding in sure um just on that um weight to pay, um weight to power ratio do you um do you jump on the squat racks or a combination of just find the biggest nastiest hill that you can on your on your on your road bike and and do some uh do some up and downs of that what is your preferred go <laughs> okay. uh, i have a very uh scheduled routine but i have a coach and yeah. he looks at all my stats for me um so i do two sessions a week in the gym Mm -hmm. which is primarily based on legs and core i guess but Mm -hmm. upper body as well and then um within my week there'll be an endurance ride there will be hit sessions and then um some stuff on the mountain bike yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, awesome. Um, so that's, you know, and finding the time to do the dogs and then, then finding time to do you and then you've got 36 dogs as well. I, I understand that um, life can be pretty hectic, yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, just before, you know, we, we're sort of heading towards the tail end, but um, uh, I just wanted to touch quickly on nutrition and recovery. I noticed you mentioned um, for the dogs there, you use the, um, uh, um, you know, the underwater treadmill. Um, I, I 
you know, hard to access here in Australia as, as compared to say uh, the UK. I know that uh, most vets have have one. You know, most on every corner. You know, there's a there's an underwater treadmill uh, here in Australia. They're a lot harder to get hold of. Um, they're approximately sixty. You know, anywhere from forty to sixty thousand dollars to buy. And um, you know, you might be driving for right now. You might be driving two to three hours to get to an under underwater treadmill uh, here in Australia. But um, you know, from the nu nutrition um, point of view and recovery um, point of view, um, I noticed that uh, uh, on your website as well that um, you you know you've got a I think maybe a sponsor of Bowen Therapy um, for dogs. Um, you know, massage things like that. Um, you know, how important is recovery, not just for you know for the dogs and then you as well, having those um, those little niggles or those little you know those slight little things um, fixed up on a regular basis. Super important. Um, the whole like again, I relate back to like a human athlete. Mm -hmm. um, it's the whole package, isn't it? The, mm -hmm happier the healthier and the fitter your dog is then the faster you will be mm -hmm. and ultimately like there's no secret here i'm trying to be the best in the world i want to be the fastest person with a dog yep. and to do that my dog needs to be in its absolute peak condition in every single form yep. so without that recovery top nutrition um great training then you're not going to win the race mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I would love to see, um, I know that we're talking with yourself top, top end, but I'd, I'd love to see that flow through, um, you know, to, to grassroots as well, you know, um, you know, just a, just a good warm up, cool down stretch, you know, for, for your average, uh, average punter, you know, on the ground, you know, so once again, just educating about those things, um, is for me super important. So it's, I know that you've put an emphasis on, um, you know, how important it is for, for you, for you guys, but I think, um, and I hope you agree that that flows right down through to your club, you know, you, you know, your, your average, um, club participant as well. I think, I think Dan with that, like, I think, um, whatever level you're racing at or even participating at within this yep. sport, mm -hmm. the dog is, is, is exercising for you. Mm -hmm. And with exercise, there comes certain minimal requirements. And if, if the dog isn't eating the right food and getting the nutrition it needs, mm -hmm. if it isn't getting post and pre-care that it needs, then the dog will either not want to run, mm -hmm. not enjoy it, get sick or get injured. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I say to people, like especially like new people coming into the sport, for example, like you have to build up to everything. It, it's not like you can just grab a bike, grab a dog and go and hit 5k. Yes. Like you need to imagine you have not done any exercise for a long time. And then suddenly somebody says, Hey, go smash out 5k. Yep. By the way, we're going to make you drag this tire. Yeah. Like that, that is how it feels for the dog. It's something similar. Yep. So I think, yeah, this stuff, it doesn't matter what level you are racing at is mm -hmm. just as important. My dog maybe one of the fastest and best dogs in the world but you know what i have dogs out in my kennel right now who have never raced in their life they get treated no different from the fastest dog i own and that is I, that is so important i can't mm -hmm. stress or highlight that enough to anybody mm -hmm. Fantastic. So 
Yeah, for, look, and, and uh, like I said, it, for me, it's about education. And, and, you know, like I said, you jumping on um, this call today and, and to reiterate that is, it, you know, like I said, it's just fantastic. Obviously, you know, when, when people are coming into the sport, we want to focus on fun. You know, we want it to be fun and enjoyable for them and their dogs, of course, right? But there's a, some, you know, basics that we want to get right. And obviously, we spoke about, um, you know, veterinary checks, health checks, etc. But, you know, nutrition, movement patterns and stuff we want to make sure that you know if your dog looks a bit tight in the rear end well let's hey let's have a have a look at it and um you know let's get it sorted you know um whether that be through a, you know a vet a, a, someone that's treating bone therapy massage etc because um i know what it's like yeah if you've got a niggling little injury you don't want to go 100 percent, you know and that you know comes down to end of the day the performance that your your dog does or, or you do as well you know so super um super important and uh, i appreciate you uh, reiterating that for for us as well so let's um let's uh, sort of wind things up a bit a bit if that's okay um so i do appreciate um you know once again your, your time so if anyone um wanted to uh get ho get hold of you um how would they go about that probably the best thing is uh, through Facebook or to drop me an email. Mm -hmm. So on Facebook, I'm, I'm Vicky Fullen. Sure. Uh, a picture with me and my dog is my profile. Mm -hmm. And um, if you want to email, then my business page is arcticwest.co.uk mm -hmm. and all my contact details are on that. For sure. And um, obviously I wanted to do a, a bit of a, a shout out um, as well. So if anyone's looking to potentially help you on your, uh, your quest in regards to sponsorship um, of becoming the you know, world champion, how would they go about helping you out there? Well, any type of um, support or help in whatever format would be amazing. Right. And the best thing to do would be to just drop me an email or a call. And um, yeah, that, that would be amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, look, not a problem at all. So, Vicky, uh, thank you very much for taking the time out of your your, your very busy schedule to uh, to chat to us here today at Dogs and Deadlifts. Um, thank you. Like I said, um, if you like what you've uh, you've heard today, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Um, really mean the world to us. And thank you very much once again. Thanks. Are you looking for the perfect gift for you or a friend that loves dogs and fitness? Dogs and Deadlifts has you covered with merchandise and giftware, including t-shirts, hoodies, cushion covers, mugs, plus much more. Head over to teespring.com forward slash dogs and deadlifts. That's T double E spring.com forward slash dogs and deadlifts. Or check out the link in the podcast notes.